This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're in the fourth chapter of Orchot Sadikim, the path of the righteous. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the worst traits. One of the worst traits is the trait of what's called chutzpah. Chutzpah means impudence. Impudence, a person who is impudent, a person who has no shame, basically. Last week we talked about shame, how important it is to have shame. Shame is a very good trait. But a person who has no shame, or a person who has chutzpah, that's called azut, impudence, or shamelessness, is one of the worst traits for a person to have. Chutzpah, no shame, impudence, in your face. Doesn't care, in your face. You know, we live in a society today which is very, very shameless. It's shameless society. The people are very proud of doing the worst immoral acts. People are proud of it. And they say, we're proud. We're proud to do immoral acts. So that is chutzpah. Chutzpah is no shame. There's no shame anymore. Um, there's a book, People Don't Blush Anymore. My Man is Friedman. Very, very interesting book. People don't blush anymore. They talk about themselves. They say we, we do the worst things and they're happy. And it's not just here. It's everywhere. It's the whole world. Pretty much the whole world except for it's interesting. I don't want to say it. Okay, let, let, but the whole world basically. Okay. Azut. Chutzpah. Humida gruah. It's the worst trait in most of its manifestations. There is one part of chutzpah which is good and allowed. And a mitzvah. And that is Heve'az kanamer. Be proud or impudent like a leopard to serve God. What does that mean? That means even though people are making a mockery of you. Person says, you know, this Jew, look at him, he wears his uh, tefillin, he looks disgusting. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. And that's, uh, I see these kids going to the public school with kippahs on their head. That's impudence. That's chutzpah. But it's a positive chutzpah because it's chutzpah for the sake of God. God says to do it, you do it. You don't, you don't care what people say. You just be impudent. You, be, you just do it. If we Jews were scared of chutzpah, we wouldn't be Jews anymore. Very simple. You have to be a sort of uh, very tough character to withstand all the peer pressure, withstand all the temptations of life, and uh, be proud of who you are. That's what chutzpah is. So they hate us, and we're proud of it. We're proud. You know, it's a beautiful story. It says, a rabbi walked down the street, and the kids would, sh- would run after him and say, Jew, Jew, Jew. <laughs> so he's very smart. He says, I'll pay you 10 cents each for every time you call me Jew. Imagine. So they said, he'll pay us. Every time we call him Jew, he'll pay us. Instead of screaming at us and telling us, stop, he's, he's encouraging us. You know what? We're not going to call him Jew. Dafka, we're not going to call him Jew. He likes it. We're not going to call him Jew. <laughs> so it's, it's reverse psychology. Everything's reverse psychology. But a person's going to walk around with the yarmulke, and I'm not scared of anything. I have the chutzpah to be a Jew. That kind of chutzpah is allowed. That's impudence for the sake of God. But impudence, we're talking about impudence not for the sake of God. That's very bad. Why? Because usually they do something wrong and they're embarrassed. This guy does something wrong, he's not embarrassed. He'll do it in public, in front of everyone, no embarrassed, no shame, no embarrassment. And that's why it's such a bad trait. And another aspect of it is that a person does not forgive and forget. So a person who has some shame, he says, okay, you know what, you did something bad to me, I forgive you, I forget. But people with chutzpah, with this impudence, will never forgive and forget. You did this to me? So it's really a kind of pride. Impudence, pride. Uh, like Esau. Esau would never forgive and forget. A guy like Esau, very impudent, doesn't, doesn't like to forgive and forget. So that's a person who has this impudence. 
Number one is he doesn't care who's watching, who's not watching. God is watching, doesn't care. I don't care about anything. And he, he cares, he cares about it. He just wants to be impudent in your face. And he does everything evil and he doesn't get any embarrassment. In fact, he gets worse. People say, watching you, I'm watching you. Good. I don't care. I'll do it again. That is the kind of chutzpah. That's the kind of impudence. And that's the thing which is called kashi'orif. Kashi'orif means stiff-necked. Stiff-necked, we say, you know, the Jewish people were in the, when they worshipped the golden calf. Am kashi'orif. We said in the parasha, in Kitisa, when we read for the fast day. Am kashi'orif. They are stiff-necked people. What are stiff-necked people? Stiff-necked means, I don't care who's watching. I don't care if God's watching. I don't care about anything. I'm going to do this. I don't care. Chutzpah. Impudence. In your face. That is a person who just clings to the evil and doesn't care what other people think. I cling to my evil. Do it in public. I don't care. There's no humiliation. There's no shamelessness. That is the kind of society that, uh, unfortunately, we're living in a moral society. It's producing this kind of shamelessness. So certain things they won't even discuss. You know, just just, uh, this week, the Minister of Education in Israel had a television interview. I don't know if you heard this. Uh, a TV interview. They're interviewing this uh, Minister of Education in Israel. He happens to be a rabbi. And they asked him, he says, any, you know, what do you think about, you know, gays and lesbians? And this guy says, thank God. He says, all my children are normal. And they all married happily. And they all this. And they lambasted him. They lambasted him. He didn't say anything. He just said the positive. He didn't say the negative, but he implied the negative, And that's it. They killed him in Israel. They killed him. They killed him. They wrecked him over the coals. And they say he's going to lose a lot of votes in the next election. Because his children are normal. (laughs) It's amazing. So that's chutzpah today. Chutzpah today is the worst parts of our society, the moral parts of the society, are taking over society, basically. And they are using uh, their clout, uh, their uh, speech, to push for their agenda. Push their agenda, even in the schools, even the children. Um, in England now, for example, they passed a law that's now it's going to be in compulsory education for children to know there are alternate lifestyles. They have to teach alternate lifestyles. Okay. But that's a little bit of a chutzpah. It's chutzpah that the, the alternate lifestyles uh, became the mainstream now. That's a chutzpah. That's a chutzpah. Okay. So the opposite of all good traits that appear in a modest person are found in shameless people. Impudent people. People with no embarrassment and no shame. And when a person increases in their quality and increases in impudence, they may become disgusting in the eyes of people. Nevertheless, they don't care. I mean, disgusting. Imagine what it's like to go around the golden calf. You're in the middle of the Jewish camp, and these people have no shame. In the middle of the Jewish camp, everyone's watching them, and they're dancing around the calf. Moshe Rabbeinu comes down the mountain, and they don't care. So what does he have to do? He smashes the tablets to get their attention. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. They don't care. So that woke them up. But a person who is wicked, a person who is evil, a person why the trait is impudence. They don't care. And that's what the uh, Shomo Melaki Solomon says in Proverbs. He says, Shame, Rishayim, Yirkabu. The name of the wicked will rot. What does that mean? Because they have no shame. They're going to just, there's no way of changing them. A person with no shame will never do teshuva. A person who has no shame will never do teshuva. They'll do the worst things in public. 
uh, a guy like Absalom. Look at Absalom. I mean, we can't even imagine Absalom. Absalom was the son of David. King David. He was the, one of the classic rebellious children. Although it doesn't apply to him because he was too old already. But if you'd ask me who was the most rebellious son in the whole Torah, Absalom really comes high on the list. Absalom is really high on the list. So Absalom comes, and what does he do? He rebels against his father. And what happens? He invades Yerushalayim, the capital city, Yerushalayim. He invades, he conquers Yerushalayim. His father ran away, and his father left ten wives in Yerushalayim. Ten wives behind. Out of sixteen. Out of eighteen. Okay. So anyway, ten wives in Yerushalayim, and he goes, runs away. The, fa- the father runs away. He comes there in Yerushalayim, and he has two advisors. One of his advisors, a guy called Achitofel. Achitofel was meant to be the most brilliant advice you could ever have. Whatever he said, he was like a prophet. Even though he wasn't a prophet, he was a wise man. His, wise, his, his wisdom was so high, whatever he said came true. He asked Achitofel, what should I do? He said, the first thing you've got to do is show you really mean to rebel against your father. Because your troops, they don't believe you. Your troops really think that you're his son, you'll have mercy on your father, you'll make up friends with your father, and they'll all get killed for being traitors. So you have to do something, an act so disgusting, so vile, that people will believe that you really rebel against your father. So what should I do? Have relations with your father's wives. Sick. Imagine. He puts up a tent. One by one, they go into the tent. In public. This is in public. This is sick. That's the guy we're talking about. That's the guy with no shame at all. He has no shame. So eventually, what happens to Absalom? His beautiful hair, which he was so proud of, he was a Nazarite, he would have a haircut once a year. His hair got caught on the tree. He's riding on his donkey under the tree in the forest, and his hair gets caught in the tree. He refused to cut himself. He refused to cut his hair. But the question is, what happened to him? So the answer is, he got hair cut in the tree, he's hanging over there. Imagine, his donkey went past, and he's stuck on the tree. So, why didn't he cut his hair? Why do, you, why do you want to be leave, leave hanging? So it says over there, he saw the fires of Gehinam under his feet. Hashem, he had a vision. Hashem shows him, this is where you're going to end up. See the fire underneath you? That's where you're going to go. He said, if I cut my hair, I'm going to fall into the fire. I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm just going to hang here. He's hanging over there till Yoab ben Suriyadeh, the general of Davida, comes and kills him, whatever. But that's the, that's the end of him. But he had the chutzpah and the impudence. To do what he did, so sick. He's a sick person. He's a sick person. So that is a sick person. That is a very bad person. That's what evil is. Evil is makes a person a brute. Makes them like a savage where they don't care what people think. Now, there is a good part to that, which we have to try and be as well, which is as kanami. We have to be bold like a leopard. It's every morning. It's the first thing he says. Be bold like a leopard, which means... You don't have, have, you have chutzpah when it comes to other people making fun of you when you do mitzvot. If you're doing a mitzvah and people are making fun of you, be bold like a leopard, don't pay attention. But to do an avera and, and be bold and, and have the chutzpah to do it in public, that is the worst. That's the worst. And that's the worst part of, of a, it's very hard to do repentance. When a person has no shame, they'll never do repentance. Okay. So, on the one hand, it's the worst tra- uh, trait. On the other hand, it's very praiseworthy when it comes to Torah and service of God. To have impudence facing the Rishayim, the evil people, and not to listen to their advice, 
and not to admit to all their lies and not to have to show favor to them and flatter them. So a person sometimes has to be impudent to keep its foot. So, you know, we're lucky. You know why? Because orthodoxy in America is growing today. It really is, thank God. But if you'd have been with Rabbi Samson and Rafael Hirsch in Germany and Frankfurt, where there was barely a minion of Shomrei Shabbat against all the reform movements, it's like you're the minority. And you, like, you have to have chutzpah to continue. It's like, it was like a couple of years, 100 years, 50 years ago, 30 years ago in America. You had to have chutzpah to be religious. So that's the kind of chutzpah which is a mitzvah. That kind of chutzpah is a mitzvah. That quality of impudence is very praiseworthy when it comes to Torah and service of God, to be impudent towards the wicked, to have a hard neck, not to listen to them, not to accept their lies, not to flatter them. And a person should have a touch of impudence in observing the commandments and people laugh at him for doing so. He must harden his face, be bold towards his teachers, to ask what he does not know and not be ashamed. Sometimes when you're a student, you've got to be a chutzpah to ask a question. The rabbi is giving a class and you don't want to stop him. Everyone's quiet now. Stop him. You want a question? Stop him. Have a little bit of chutzpah. Otherwise, en habayshan lomed. The Mishnah says, a person with shame will never learn. Why? He's too embarrassed to ask questions. So when it comes to learning, a person's going to have a little bit of chutzpah. And uh, you find the rabbis in the Talmud, they weren't embarrassed. They would ask questions. The students would ask questions until the rabbi would go crazy. <laughs> Drive you crazy. Ask question after question. Why? We want to get the material straight. We want to understand, you know, some halachot, for example, the laws of Shabbat. They're very, very complicated. To get all the nuances, you have to ask questions. In those days, nothing was written down. It's only what you heard. You better hear it properly, because if you didn't hear it properly, you made a mistake. So it's only what you heard. These rabbis, these students would do strange things. They would follow the rabbi into the bathroom. So what are you doing here? So I want to learn Torah. He says, what do you mean, learn Torah? There was no Shulchan Aruch in those days. You had to follow the other Gorah. So chutzpah, they had to do these things in order to learn. They wanted to learn. It's a little bit of chutzpah. So chutzpah is good when it comes to Torah, but chutzpah is very bad when it comes to sins, when it comes to Avirot. It's very, very bad to have chutzpah of Avirot, in terms of Avirot, doing sins. So, when it comes to learning Torah, when it comes to doing mitzvot, don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed, be bold. Sometimes you see someone doing something wrong, and everyone's embarrassed. Like, for example, in the synagogue, everyone's chatting. Uh, someone's got to be bold enough to say, oh, you're in the synagogue now, please, can you stop chatting? It's very hard. It's like you have to be, stand out and take a stand, like Pinchas took a stand. Sometimes you've got to stand up and, and, and say something. So that takes a lot of chutzpah, that takes a lot of impudence to say something especially people who are no better, who should know better, and you, know, you see them doing things they shouldn't do, you have to be stand, take a stand. So it's interesting, it's the same trait can be good, and the same trait can be bad. And that's usually in Jewish, it's such a dichotomy, it's such a hard thing, hard act, to find the balance in life. That's what Rambam talks about, to find the right balance in life. It's the same trait. So on the one hand, you've got to have shame. But too much shame. A person's embarrassed to do a mitzvah. That's too much shame. On the other hand, you're not allowed to have chutzpah. On the other hand, you have to have chutzpah when you do Torah. So we have this, uh, this, is, this is human beings. We're human beings. We have to find the right balance in life. 
So on the one hand, I shouldn't do this. On the other hand, I have to do this. Sometimes it's avera, sometimes a mitzvah, the same thing. It could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. It's amazing. That's what makes Judaism so hard. It's not like there's clear-cut guidelines. This is always bad. Chutzpah is always bad. If I tell you chutzpah is always bad, it's fantastic, because then it's clear. But it's not. Chutzpah is good when it comes to doing mitzvot, and chutzpah is bad when it comes to doing averot. So the same thing. It's all tools. All these are tools in our hands. So I going to know there's a tool in my hand. Chutzpah is a tool in my hand. And, uh, and even shame is a tool. Sometimes it's good to be embarrassed. Sometimes it's not good to be embarrassed. When it comes to sins, it's very good to be embarrassed. When it comes to averot, sorry, yeah, but it's very good to be embarrassed. When it comes to mitzvot, you shouldn't be embarrassed. I did mitzvah, what's the problem? So that's something which we have to understand. This, but it's a, usually it's a bad trait. Not being embarrassed is a bad trait. We all have to inculcate in ourselves that sometimes it's time to be embarrassed. You know, I, did, I was caught red-handed, and the guy says... I don't care, I don't care, it's okay, it's fine, it's, it's a mitzvah to do this. <coughs> it's like kind. Even Adam Rishon, right? Hashem says, Adam, what do you do? Wasn't me. No embarrassment at all. The only embarrassment he had was when he was hiding. At least he had a little bit of embarrassment. So, Ayeka, where are you? Why are you hiding? No he had no clothes. So he, he was embarrassed. But he wasn't embarrassed about the sin. Right? He wasn't embarrassed. When he came to the sin, he had all the excuses. He wasn't embarrassed. He says, oh gosh, I did this. I'm so sorry. First thing you should say is sorry. No, no sorry. It wasn't my fault. It was her fault. No embarrassment. She, no embarrassment. It's the snake's fault. The snake also, forget the embarrassment. Snakes don't have embarrassment. <laughs> and the same thing, Kain. Kain, where's your brother? He said, my, my brother's chutzpah. Chutzpah. Am I my brother's keeper? What kind of attitude is that? You mean Hashem doesn't know where, you, where your brother is? Admit already. No, not going to admit that's, that's what we're talking about. That's the kind of... That's why these people suffered so much. That's why Shem cursed man and he cursed the woman because they could have said, I'm sorry. All they had to do was say, I'm sorry, and things would have turned out differently. They didn't. They had the chutzpah to say, I'm right. I did it! Look at the language, he says. Va'ochel, he says, and I will eat. He doesn't say, I will never eat again, he says. Va'ochel, and I will eat again! In other words, I can't stop this. This is, this is, a, this is a, such a desire that I cannot control. I cannot control this desire. It's too much to control. I will eat again. Can you imagine what a chutzpah? Tell God. God says, why do you eat? I told you not to eat. Said, no, not only did I eat, but I'm also going to eat again. That's chutzpah. That is terrible chutzpah. So a person who has lots of chutzpah will do many sins over and over again and think he... Not only will he do the sins, he'll also think he's right. And you see this today. They're doing the sins in public, and they're advertising it, and they think, they say we're right. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else is rishai. We're all evil. They're right, and they're righteous. Amazing. And they come along with the convoluted ideas that this is the way to do things. And that's why we say in the vidui, We are not proud and stiff-necked to say, Hashem, we are righteous and we didn't sin. The right, a person who's very <coughs> stiff-necked will say, I'm righteous. Everyone else is a sinner. I'm doing the right thing. We say in the beginning of the Vidui, we are not stiff-necked to say that we are righteous and not sinners. We did sins. We and our forefathers did sins. So the sickness is to say, I never sinned. The sickness is to say, I'm right. The sickness, that's the sickness. So that's why he says, 
Hashem says when he judges the person who says I'm right heaven help him the first thing you have to do is Hashem says what do you do I'm sorry Hashem you're right you're right I'm wrong you're right Hashem's always right huh. you can't really argue with him there are a few people in the Torah who argue with Hashem for example Abraham Avinu argue with Hashem for the sake of Sodom but even then you find Hashem is right why because Hashem knew how many people there are that Hashem's playing games with Abraham okay there's ten people Hashem knows there's no ten people <laughs> you're playing games Hashem knows everything. He can't argue with Hashem. Until Moshe Rabbeinu. And even then, Hashem gave him a thing. He gave him an opening. Right? He gave him the 13 attributes. So he can uh, use that 13 attributes to change the ways. But you can't, you can't beat Hashem. What you can do is you can use the mechanism he created. He already created the mechanism. Teshuvah is already created. So you can use the mechanism he created to change the path. That's all. So the danger is a person says, you know what, I am right. I don't care what people say. I don't care what God says. I am right through hell and high water. That is the way to hell. The quickest way to hell. I'm right. Jeroboam bin Nevat. Jeroboam, the first king of Israel. He introduces idolatry. He introduces worship of a golden calf on two places in Israel. And God says, God says, come back, Repent. And you and me and the son of David will, will travel through paradise together. And his question was, who's first? He says, David is first. He said, I'm not coming back. <coughs> not doing Teshuvah. That's chutzpah. That is impudence. That is, that is gava pride. And that's what uh, Shlomo Mel says in Mishlei. Modei Yerucham. A person who admits and leaves their sins will get God's mercy. That's the way to mercy. The way, the path to mercy is, I did it wrong. You know, now's the time of Shovim, now's the time for Tushufa. The Six weeks. Because always, you know, who are we? We're human beings. So we tell God Hashem, listen, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm a human being. Please have mercy on me. Hashem says, oh, you're a human being? You admit it? Yeah, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm not a God. I'm not a great person. I'm a human being. I have failings and things. I'm trying to change. Help me to change. So that's the best path. But the person says, I never sinned. I never did anything wrong. We're the greatest. So that is, he says, a very evil quality. The person who says we are righteous and we have never sinned, that is the worst quality. Hashem will judge the person and have no mercy on the person. That's what Yirmiyahu says. That was the time of Jeremiah. At the end of the first temple period, the Jewish leadership never admitted their sins. That's the trouble. We are righteous. The temple is going. The sacrifices are going. Hashem will not do anything to us We'll try and kill you, Jeremiah. You're the one who's telling us we're bad. We're going to kill you instead. That is real chutzpah. To kill the righteous person and not to take fault oneself. That is a terrible thing. So impudence. That's impudence. That's chutzpah. That's a very bad quality. But on the other hand, when you use it for Torah and you use it for the service of God, it's fantastic. A person should strengthen themselves with, in regard to this quality. To subdue it, where it would be shameful to assume it. And to strengthen yourself over according to your strength. So you have to be careful on both sides. On the one side, we have to keep away from very bad chutzpah, which is doing wrong things and being proud of them. That's number one. Keep away from the bad and use chutzpah to serve God more. And when people are not being religious, not doing this, it's very hard. For example, 
in families where there's all types, right? So you got very, very secular, anti-religious even. I mean, today in America, it's, it's a melting pot, it really is. You have people who are coming from very bad backgrounds, from reform backgrounds, worse. They're, they're unaffiliated, totally unaffiliated. Don't anything about Judaism. One person in the family does teshuva. You know how much chutzpah that person has to, has to have to break against the tide. The whole tide is going this way, and he's standing up saying, no, I want to be religious. You know, I had a cousin who, his, his, grandpa, his grandparents were Shorah Shabbat. But his parents decided, we're going to now break Shabbat. We're not going to keep Shabbat. We're going to drive in the car. And he was like eight years old. He was eight years old. He said, I'm not going to break Shabbat. <laughs> so every Shabbat, there was a big fight in the family. They'd try and pull him into the car. He would scream and shout, no, I don't want to break Shabbat. He'd cry. This, and they'd push shove him in the car and take him for a trip. But eventually, he prevailed. Today, they're Shabbat Shabbat. <laughs> so he was just stubborn. And so that's the chutzpah we a person needs. Imagine, a person says, no, I'm not going to break Shabbat. You know, in the Middle Ages, how many Jews, you're talking about this morning, how many Jews gave their lives not to bow down? We know, Hannah and her seven sons. That takes a lot of strength and a lot of chutzpah because the king is there. The king wants you to bow down. You're not going to bow down. The priest is there. Bow down. No, I'm going to bow down. He'll kill you. I don't care. He's going to that takes a lot of chutzpah. And it's in public sometimes, and humiliation, and chutzpah. And... So it's amazing, amazing, it's amazing trait, how bad it can be, and how good it can be. Same trait, chutzpah. How bad it can be, if used in the wrong way, a person says, you know, I'm proud, I'm doing evil, I'm, 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 love, I'm happy to be evil, I want everyone to do evil, that's a chutzpah. He's rebelling against God in public. <coughs> Doesn't care. On the other side, the person says, I'm proud to serve God. I'm, I'm happy to serve God. I'll, do, I'll serve God in public. That's a tremendously <laughs> important chutzpah. That's the chutzpah we need. So the problem is, the person who has chutzpah will never do teshuva. Because he's impudent and he doesn't care. He'll do it in your face. He'll do it in God's face and never do teshuva. So that's the problem we have. That's a, that's a problem today, and that's why we have to be humble enough to do teshuva, and we have to be chutzpatik enough to do mitzvot. And let me, if you grow up in a family where you're the only guy who's religious, or say a convert, even more. Imagine everyone else is Catholic, and now I want to be Jewish. You say what? You're crazy. Imagine how hard it is. It's to break the break the tide. You gotta you gotta cross the barriers. You gotta break the barriers. It takes a lot of chutzpah, a lot of strength. To be able to do it. There was a, there was a, there was a convert called Abraham ben Abraham. You've got to read the book. Abraham ben Abraham. In the time of the Vilna Gaon. You heard of him? In the time of the Vilna Gaon. True story. Vilna Gaon. And uh, in those days, if you converted to Judaism, you'd be killed. Christianity. It was Christianity. It was a Christian world. A Christian becomes a Jew. Today, in the same thing. You go to Iraq or Iran, and a, a Muslim wants to convert. So Christianity or Judaism, anything, they'll kill him. Very simple. They'll kill him. So can you imagine the Christian world, this guy who's a count, Count Potofsky, I think his name was. He, says, he goes quietly to the rabbis, I want to be Jewish. And we, can't, we can't convert you. If we convert you, they kill us as well as you, not just you. No? So it doesn't matter. Find me a place where I can go. So they send him abroad, and he converts to Judaism and comes back. He's known as Abraham ben Abraham. So where's he going to stay? Everyone, he doesn't want people to talk about him. So he finds a small village, and he finds a small Beit Midrash, and just, just learning Torah all day. He has plenty of money, there's no problem. But 
until finally somehow they found out about him. Because they're looking for the count. The count's disappeared. Where's Count Potofsky? They sent search parties all over. Where's the count? He disappeared from his palace. Where is he? He's a very important person. Until finally they caught him and they tortured him and they tortured him and then they burnt him at the stake. He was burnt. I think the building gun was there and he saw. And the last thing he said was Shema Israel. It's very, very, very moving. I mean, that takes a lot of strength of character, a lot of chutzpah to be able to do that. So I don't, I believe in one God, that's it. I don't believe in anything else. There's no intermediaries, only one God, that's it. So that was a tremendous chutzpah, but it takes a lot of strength, and that's hard neck, that's a stiff neck. A stiff neck means a person's not going to change. You're not going to change me at all. It doesn't matter what, I, what you say. So it's a very important trait. So a person could use it for bad, and a person could use it for good. You know, there's a there's an amazing story. I don't know if it's appropriate, but we're all grown ups. Let's we're all grown ups, right? Everyone's grown ups. Uh, maybe you should just. <laughs> okay, there's worse things on TV. Believe me. So anyway, so there's a story of this man. His name is Eliezer ben Dordia. The Gemara says on Avodah Zarah, the Fudzayin, I think it is. The Gemara says Eliezer ben Dordia would find as every every harlot in the world. He heard about a harlot one day. She took a lot of money across the river, and he went across the sea to go to this woman. And she's over there in this room, and she's beautiful, and he's taking off his clothes, and he's ready. And then she said, you know what? Just like the sneeze. I just sneezed. Just like the sneeze. The, the, the air can never go back inside me. So too, you can never do teshuva. You're so far gone. You're so immoral. There's no hope for you. You're finished. He says, when he heard that, he started crying. He said, I can't do the shiva. Imagine, coming from this woman, that she tells him, you're not going to be able to do the shiva. It's like a slap in the face. And it said, he cried and he cried and he cried in the shiva. So that is, at least he never had the chutzpah to say, you know what, I'm a tzaddik, I'm doing the right thing. No, he admitted. He's doing the wrong thing. And she told him. Sometimes it takes the right person to tell the right person. I mean, if the rabbi had told me you're doing the wrong thing, he said, I know that already. I don't care. But since she told it, imagine, it came from her, it really made an impact on him. So that is, he had that quality of humility to be able to take that and say, you're right. He didn't have the chutzpah that we're talking about over here. So it's very important to be able to accept sometimes people to say things and they mean, you know, we talked, I talked about it yesterday in my hadrasha, my, my about sometimes the musar can be the bracha. Talk about Ruven. Shimon, Levi, the first three sons of Yaakov, he's giving them blessings. What does he tell them? Well, you're bad, and you're bad, and you're bad. You have bad qualities. You have no patience. You don't think things through. You have anger, which is terrible anger. And that's a bracha. And the answer is, yeah, it's a bracha, because now you know what you need to fix. So if it's done with love, that's a bracha. The biggest bracha is we have... And that's what book, these books do. These books point out different traits that maybe we have in too much or too little. Maybe a person has too much um, aggressiveness um, for the wrong reasons. And maybe he's proud of the wrong things, and maybe he's not proud enough of the right things. And that's what we're talking about. That's why we need books of Musa. So he says this trait is very praiseworthy when it comes to the service of God. To be bold in the, in the face of the wicked. And to be stiff-necked not to listen to their voice and not to admit to their, to their lies and not to flatter them. That's the trouble today. In politics, you've got to flatter everyone. 
If you want to be elected, it's called PC. You have to be PC today. That's the trouble. And uh, sometimes you can't, even rabbis have to be PC. It's, 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 a, it's a disaster. And it happened to me. I, I said a few things, and people came up to me and said, you can't say that. I can't say what? You can't say what you said today. Because you're going to, you know, you're going to cause people to be killed. I said, yeah, of course I'm going to cause people to be killed. Come on. They're killing other people by spiritually they're killing people. If it's not the rabbi's job to give Musar, what can he say? You know the famous joke, it says, a new rabbi comes to town. And the president comes to him and says, you can't talk about certain things. He says, what? Well, no one over here keeps kosher, so don't talk about kosher. <coughs> so yeah, what else? He says, no one keeps Shabbat, so don't talk about Shabbat. And the marital laws, don't talk about it because no one keeps it. He says, so what should I talk about? He says, talk about Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> so what should I talk about? Talk about Judaism. But I'm not allowed to talk about Judaism because you're stopping me from talking about it. So what should I talk about? Yeah. Make up stories. So you've got to say these things. So, so a person needs, also rabbis need the strength to be able to get up. and It's very hard to get up and say these things. People don't want to hear. So a person who, we have to have the right quality of chutzpah to be able to continue to say these things. And, but it's got to be done properly. It's got to be done properly. And on the other side, we can't have the chutzpah to say, I'm great, I'm perfect. And that's why it's very important to go, Hashem, how many times a, a, a prayer would the Kohen Gadol have to bow down? Remember? In the Shmon Esrei. We bow four times at the Shmon Esrei. The Kohen Gadol had to bow every single bracha, and the king had to bow twice in every bracha. Imagine. Why? The greater the person, the more humility they have to have in front of God. Because otherwise it goes to the head. I'm the king of Israel. You're the king of Israel. You need to write a special Sefer Torah. Every Jew has to write one Sefer Torah, you've got to write two Sefer Torahs. Not only do you have to write two Sefer Torahs, you have to write, tie the Sefer Torah in your hand, wherever you go. Just remember that you are the king and you have a Torah. You have a boss. You have a boss above you. Hashem is watching you. It's very hard. I'm the king. You can do whatever I want. You can't do whatever you want. God is watching you. That's the hard part. But a person who has no shame just doesn't care. So you have kings who are good and you have kings who are evil because the, the pride went to their heads. They have the chutzpah and the audacity to do the worst things possible. So I just want to finish off. So a person's got to strengthen this trait when it comes to the service of God. When people are making mockery of him, don't care. And to be strengthened with all his strength because it's very, very hard to escape from people. You know, I was thinking, you know, today we know about Yosef. Yosef remained righteous in Egypt. What trait allowed him to be righteous in Egypt? So we have this general rule. Yosef HaTzadik is the power over the evil eye. Yosef HaTzadik had power over the evil eye. Why did Yosef have power over the evil eye? So number one, we, need, we see who, is, who had the evil eye. Potiphar's wife. She wanted him. She desired him. She wanted him badly. That's the evil eye. She wanted to. So he had power over her. He refused to give in. That's the power over the evil eye. But there's also an evil eye of oneself, which means I'm jealous of them. We find Yosef's mother was Rachel. Leah comes to, imagine, Leah wants to marry Yaakov. And Lavan is going to give ya- Leah Yaakov instead of Rachel. What does Rachel do? The night before, she gives, the sign. she gives her the sign. Now can you imagine, I want to marry Yaakov, but I'm willing not to embarrass my sister to give my rights to my husband to my sister. You know what that means? <laughs> I mean, 
I can't even understand what that means. It's very hard to even understand what kind of woman we're talking about. That she doesn't want to embarrass her sister, so she'll give the rights. Imagine, think about it. I meant to marry Yaakov. I love Yaakov. He loves me. But since my sister's going to get embarrassed, I'm going to give her the signs. We know, we know that Lavana is a trickster. We made signs between ourselves. I'm going to give her the signs. Basically, I'm giving my sister to my husband. Instead of me, he, she's going to marry him. Look, what, what kind of quality is that? What quality are we talking about over here? Which trait are we talking about that Rachel had? And the answer is, she was not jealous in the least. Rachel, she was to the point where she was not jealous of her sister at all. I would imagine. How did she get to that level where she was not... Imagine, she was a Siddiqui, this woman. She was... And that's why it says she was buried on the way. Yesterday we read it. That Yaakov you know, tells, tells Yosef, I buried your mother on the way. So the Rashi says, why do you bury your mother on the way? Because when the Jews are exiled in the first temple, they're going to pass by her grave. They're going to pass by her grave and they're going to pray by her grave. And since they're going to pray by her grave, she's gonna, God's going to answer her because she's going to cry for her children. And that's a pasuk in Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu says... Hashem is listening to the woman who's crying for her children, and he tells her, don't cry. I'm going to answer you. Imagine, Rachel, because of the merit of what she did, she wasn't jealous. So, my, my son was telling me this today. He says that that's the trait that saved Yosef in Egypt. Because how does peer pressure work? I see you, and I see this, and I see that, and I see that. I say, wow, I want to be like him. That's how peer pressure works. <laughs> peer pressure is, I'm jealous of how he is, and I want to be like him. Yosef had the trait where he wasn't jealous. His mother gave him the trait of not being jealous. So the Egyptians had lots of money. Wasn't jealous at all. I don't need that. And the Egyptians had lots of horses. I don't need that. I'm not jealous of the Egyptians. And the Egyptians had this and that. And the others. I'm not jealous. I don't be like an Egyptian. Why? I don't need all this. I'm not jealous of the people. So that's the trait. The anti-jealousy kept him out of mischief. And that's very important. How do you keep away from peer pressure? By not being jealous. A person who's jealous, I want what he has. Keep up with the Joneses. They have a new car, I want a new car. I want a car better than his, and nicer than his, and this or that. Let's keep up with the Joneses. Yosef was not like that. And that's what saved the Jews in Egypt. I don't want to be like the Egyptians. I'm not jealous at all of the Egyptians. I don't want to be like... If you want to be saved from assimilation, don't be jealous of the American lifestyle. Some people are jealous of the American lifestyle. And then I want to be like that, and I want my children to be like that, and that's what caused our trouble. But that's why Yosef survived in Egypt, even though he was one of the head people. Plus he had the chutzpah to say and announce to everyone, I'm a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew. And everyone knew he was a Hebrew, and with all that he rose to the top. So he had the chutzpah to sell everyone. He wasn't scared. He wasn't scared of Paro. He wasn't scared of anyone. And that's the chutzpah will keep us going. But there's a bad kind of chutzpah which is not admitting to say I'm right all the time and that kind of chutzpah is going to keep away from. We should be positive in our chutzpah of proud to be who we are. And if you're proud to who you are, they'll all be proud of you. Okay, thanks for coming out and see you. We'll continue next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.